Okay, so the Mayans were wrong, and 2012 didn't bring the end of the world. But a new year can mean new fears and uncertainty about what the future holds. No, 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 no. God is not giving you a spirit of fear. God is giving you a spirit, the Bible says, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Today, Robert Quintana offers peace in knowing that God has already secured your future because of his victory of what he did on the cross. In his message, A Fresh New Start. Today's message, I guess, is somewhat simple. I'm just hoping to maybe give you some words of encouragement as we face a new year. Um, You know, the Bible does say, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries. But from today's perspective, moving forward, I want to give you some words of encouragement that that might help you face tomorrow, that might help you face the coming year, whatever next year might bring. Um, I want to share with you some words of encouragement um, that might help us get through whatever might come. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2, chapter 1, I'm sorry. And if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of set the stage here before I read verse 9. Just a few chapters before this in Deuteronomy, Moses has just died. And most of us, if we've been in the church long enough, we've probably have heard of Moses, or we've heard some of his stories. Uh, We know that he uh, was put in the river when he was an infant, that he grew up in the palace there uh, with Pharaoh. He had the best education. Uh, We know that um, later on in his life, he ended up murdering someone, and out of fear for what Pharaoh was going to do, he fled and he went, you know, kind of off to the wilderness, so to speak. And there he was a shepherd, and while he was out there, God called him to go back to Egypt to free the people of Israel. And you might remember reading that experience where he came upon this burning bush. And and there this burning bush, it was God spoke to him, you know, take off your sandals. And you might remember the interaction that took place between Moses and God. and, And God is saying, I need you to go back to free my people. And Moses is giving all these excuses. You might remember this. Well, after, you know, a struggle, a a back and forth, Moses realizes why I better do what God is calling me to do. He goes back and, and most of us know the 10 plagues take place. And then soon after that, Pharaoh and his army are swept away in the sea. And then they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And through all of this, Moses was their leader. He was their guide. He was their head. And now Moses dies. And now who's to take his place? A man by the name of Joshua. Now, can you imagine being Joshua? I mean, here you are at the front door of the promised land. Moses has has led the people through so much, through all the ups and downs. 
Moses had led them up until this point. They're on this side of the Jordan. And on the other side of the Jordan is the promised land. This has been their goal for decades now. And now Moses dies. And it's up to Joshua to take up the torch and lead them into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, God says to Joshua, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. So God shares this with Joshua, and he says, listen, I know that you have a big task ahead of you. I mean, you, you have just had a huge promotion, but don't fear. Don't be dismayed. You'll be okay I am with you and I will be with you every step of the way. And so now a few chapters later, now we're in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Maybe Joshua lost sight of that. I don't know. Maybe it was just too much to handle. But here in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, God reminds Joshua of the promise that he had made to him just a few chapters before in Deuteronomy. And so in verse 9, God once again says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Have I not told you? Have I not already shared with you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, what words of encouragement for anyone to hear, especially directly from God? I mean, I know there are times in my life that I wish I could hear directly from God those words. And then I have to remind myself, well, wait a second. The Bible says that it is living and it is breathing. And so that these texts can apply to me. And so I go to this, to this verse and I said, have I not commanded you? Robert, have I not told you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But here, Joshua is facing a promising future. I mean, he's just gotten a promotion. Joshua is facing a promising future. He is going into the promised land, the land that God has promised the people of Israel. And for decades now, they've been going around in circles in the wilderness. And now here they are at the front door. They're about to go in and even facing a good future. God has to say to him, do not be afraid. Because I am with you every step of the way. You know, we do not have the time here today to go through the scriptures and read every verse where God says, or a messenger of God says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. It is a theme that starts in Genesis and goes all the way through Revelation. It is a reoccurring theme. We do not have time here today to go through all the verses where God says to his people 
or we, where he says to an individual, where he says to someone, whether they're facing a promising future or whether they're promising, whether they're facing a bad future, where God says, listen, do not be afraid. I'm in control. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. There is one verse, one of these verses where God says, do not be afraid that I would like to look at. Because it is at the other side of the spectrum when we look at what Joshua is facing here. I mean, Joshua is facing the promised land. He is facing a promising future. On the other hand, Jeremiah is not. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. I mean, the title of this book really says it all. Lamentations. Literally, he is lamenting as he writes this book. Lamentations is found almost in the middle of your Bible just after the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3. Now, let me just kind of set the stage here for you again. Here, the nation of Israel has just been taken by the Babylonian Empire and has been left in ruins. Literally, Jeremiah, everything that Jeremiah has, has been taken away from him. Everything. His home, his family, his friends. Finances? No. Doesn't exist. His country, his nation, the people of Israel have just been overthrown by the Babylonian Empire. They have come in and they have destroyed everything and they have taken back with them captives back to Babylon to make them slaves. Some of which they've chosen to take to school and train them in the Babylonian way of thinking. And you might know that among those that were chosen was Daniel. But here, the nation of Israel is just left desolate. It has been destroyed. I remember once talking to my dad who lived through the revolution in Cuba. And I remember just talking to him and I was kind of having to pry this out of him. It was almost like he didn't want to talk about it. But, I, you know, dad, I, I want to know. I want to know what you went through. And so he reluctantly shared with me some of the stuff that he saw, some of the stuff that he experienced while he was in Cuba. He said, well, you know, there was this one night when we were, you know, in our small village there in Cuba. And he said, we got word. Someone ran into the town screaming that the the rebels are coming, that the militia is on its way and that we need to leave. We need to hide. And so that night, he had to pick up everything. He had to grab his family, whatever he could, and they just had to flee. And a few days later, he says he went back to his town, back to his village, just to see what had happened and maybe, you know, get some of his belongings. And as he's telling me this story, he kind of slows down a little bit and he kind of starts to kind of shake a little bit. You can tell that he choked up a little bit as he's telling me that as he was coming into the town where he lived, he was literally having to walk over bodies, friends of his, neighbors of his, walking over dead bodies to get to his house. See, I don't think, well, I know that we haven't experienced anything like that. I mean, I mean, here in the U.S., I, I, and I'm not saying this to diminish your loss or your pain or your suffering, but the truth is that when you take a step back and, and you are resting in bed, 
you realize, man, I am blessed. Uh, there is so much to be thankful for. And even though I might be going through a difficult time, I am blessed. I mean, because there are people around the world right now suffering such pain and devastation that, that we have no idea. A, a mother losing their son because they did not have enough food to feed them. And they have no hope that it's going to get any better. And they're facing the fact that their other children might die within weeks because they don't have food to feed. I mean, I just heard just the other day that some 30,000 children a year die of starvation. And there are places around the world that are just, it's just unthinkable when you think about the pain and the sorrow that they go through. And this is the situation that Jeremiah is in. I mean, his country has just been overtaken. It's been left desolate. It's been left with, with buildings torn down, with holes in the walls, with people crying in the streets, wailing in the streets, some of the children being taken off captive to Babylon. And this is where now Jeremiah writes the book of Lamentation. Now, for some 40 years he wrote the book of Jeremiah where he was warning the people of Israel. He was saying to them, we need to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to surrender to God because if we don't, this devastation is upon us. So think about that, that for 40 years of his life, for over 40 years of his life, he preached and he, he prophesied and he tried to get the people of Israel to turn around to no avail. The Bible calls them stiff-necked people. They refused to turn from their wicked ways. And as a result, God had to say, well, if you're choosing to pledge your allegiance to these foreign gods, then let these foreign gods protect you. And so God had no choice but to back away, to step back, to step back. And when he did, the Babylonians came in with force and overtook the country. And now Jeremiah is crying. I mean, he is weeping. He is lamenting. The book of, of Lamentation is interesting. It's actually a poem if you read it in the Hebrew. And what Jeremiah does here is that in chapter 1, um, he, he takes a verse for the first Hebrew letter. The second verse is the second Hebrew letter. And he goes through the entire alphabet of the Hebrew letter, assigning a verse to each letter. And he does that for chapter one and chapter two. And then in chapter three, he writes three verses for each letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And then in chapter four and five, he writes one verse for each letter. So he is literally crying himself through from A to Z. He is literally crying himself through the Hebrew alphabet as he's writing the book of Lamentations. This is how down Jeremiah was. But in the middle of all of this, in the middle of this pain, he has a few verses that just stand out. And that's the verse that I want to read to you. Chapter 3, verse 55. He says this. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. Now, how low was this pit? How low was this pit? It was the 
lowest pit. In other words, in his mind, there's no pit lower than where I'm at right now. And he says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sign, from my cry for help. And listen to verse 57. He says, you, God, you drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. Do not fear. So, I mean, here, Joshua is facing a promising future. And God says to him, do not fear. Here, Jeremiah is facing a horrible future. We know now that it was 70 years in captivity in Babylon before they were able to come back to restore the temple. So he is facing a bleak future and God says to him, do not fear. You see, my friends, God is calling us to live a fearless life. God is wanting us not to live a life in fear. In fact, the Bible tells us that God has not given you a spirit of fear. No, 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 no. God is not giving you a spirit of fear. God is giving you a spirit, the Bible says, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now, all of us go, whoa, that's what I want. I want to live a life where I have a spirit of power, where I have a spirit of love, and where I have a spirit of a sound mind. That's what we want. And God says, that's what I have in store for you. And if that's what you want, just hang on in there. Just continue this journey because I promise you it will come. The Bible tells us that he who began a good work in you is faithful and will finish the work that he has started in you. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. He wants us to live a life of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I'm promising you that if you continue pressing on, you will experience that power. You will experience that love. You will experience that sound mind as you continue to grow in him that will come. But we're still left with today. We're still left with the now. Because I know that there are some here today, and if, if I was honest and if we had the time, I can share with you some fears that I carry. You know, because we wake up tomorrow and those problems are still there. I mean, we wake up the next week and you, we're still having to face those things. But I want you to remember those words in the back of your head. I, I want you to go through the day, go through the week and say, you know what? God has promised me that he has given me a, a power, a spirit of power, a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. And that even though I'm going through a difficult time, I have no reason to fear because he is with me. He is with me every step of the way. And he will see me through this difficulty. Now, as I talk about fears, 
I cannot help but to talk about the one fear that comes up so many times as I counsel with Christians, as I meet with non-believers. I mean, it just comes up over and over and over and over again. And that's why I feel it is so important for me to address it right now, right here, so that going into this next year, we can live a fearless life in this area. The one fear that comes up over and over and over again is the fear that if Christ was to come today, I would not be in heaven tomorrow. The first passage that I'd like to share with you is is probably the, the most common one in regards to God's salvation and how a person is saved. It's found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Now it says this, that for by grace you have been saved through faith. My belief, my faith in the grace of God is what assures my salvation. God's salvation for you, is a gift. Now, there's two things really that you can do with a gift, right? You can either accept it or re-gift it. No, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I know all of y'all that just laughed, you've done it, huh? <laughs> you can do two things with a gift, right? You can either accept it or you can reject it. Those are really your only two options. I want to share with you just a few other verses in Scripture that might help clarify this a little bit more. If you turn to the book of Romans, Romans is a fabulous book to read on this subject. But if you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, for instance, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says this. He says, for the wages of sin is death. Kind of hard to believe, but the truth is that for you to die, you have to work at it. I mean, you have to work for your death. And your deeds, your your unrighteous deeds is what's earning you your death. But the flip side to all of this is that the gift, there is that word again, the gift of, and some versions might say the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. By God's grace and by his love and by his mercy, I am saved. And it doesn't matter what the future holds. He is with me every step of the way. And I can have the assurance in God's salvation. It can be a bleak future. It can be a bright future. We might experience highs and lows. I'm not sure. But either way, God says to us today, do not fear. Especially the fact that I have already won. That your life is in my hands. That I have secured your future in eternity with me. So won't we give our lives to him? I mean, won't we just give our lives to him? He is offering himself to us. And won't we right now say, you know, at the end, at the close of this year, 
Not knowing what next year is going to be. I'm going to enter next year with the assurance that God has saved me. That through his sacrifice on the cross, he has secured my victory for eternity. And I'm going to ask, if you so desire to accept that gift of salvation today, right now, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And now listen, this may be the first time that you've come in a long, long time. Maybe you feel that you are far away, knowing that there are things that need to change, knowing that there are things in my life that God's going to work out, the Holy Spirit is going to work in me, And the work that he has started here today, he will finish. But what you are saying right here, right now, by coming forward, is that I'm giving my life to him. Amen. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we humbly come before you just now. And we thank you and praise you for the sacrifice of our Lord, Jesus Christ. That because of him and through him, we have hope today. That if life was to end right now, we would spend all of eternity with you. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. It seems every week a new scandal is in the news, and it's becoming harder and harder to find anyone to look up to anymore. Next week, we hope you can join us again as Robert Quintana shares his message, We All Need a Hero. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.